you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. somebody open up your spirit take the limitations off of God let's just have a move of the Holy Ghost tonight come on somebody brother Heron come and preach to us come on somebody really put your hands together and let's give God praise as brother Heron comes well praise the Lord everybody Praise the Lord, everybody. How many of you glad you decided to come to church on a Friday night? Amen. Amen. Got a few nervous hand claps right there. How many of you glad you decided to come to church on a Friday night? Amen. What an honor, privilege it is to be here. I've looked forward to service for quite some time now, and let me just say that this music team has just been so powerfully anointed, and I think it would be fitting if we just gave them a big hand, showed them our appreciation. Wonderful, wonderful job. Amen, and it's uh, good to be here in Frankfurt with my friends. Jordans, Brother Gentry, and Sister Destiny. Aren't you thankful for your sectional youth director? God bless them. And uh, buddy, Brother Dylan Jordan, and his wife Kayla. Love and appreciate them. And Pastor and Sister Jordan. We're so thankful that they opened up this beautiful, beautiful building and allowed us to come and worship God. I'm glad to be here, and I'm glad you're here. And he gave some apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers for the work of the ministry, for the perfecting of the saints, and for the edifying of the body of Christ. And so without a you, there's no me. And so I'm thankful for the church here today. Praise God. Now, I know that we don't know each other. Been here before, you don't know me, and I don't know you, and I've been doing this long enough to know that sometimes your your first service somewhere, uh, sometimes that introductory service, sometimes it can be used as a uh, getting acquainted service, and 
and never really get past the getting to know one another phase and really let God do what God truly wants to do. I may not know you and you may not know me, but we know Jesus. We know Jesus. And so I want to make sure that we just get all of the distractions out of the way. And we just let God do what he wants to do here tonight. Is that all right? I will tell you that what I'm going to preach here tonight. Um, I'm looking around and I see some faces uh, that are not youth faces. Um, there are some parents here. There are um, youth leaders here. So I want to I want to urge you here today to not disconnect from this service because we've written this off as just a youth service or just a youth rally. Uh, I do have a word from the Lord, and I believe this is going to be applicable to more than just the students that are here today. So mom and dad, if you want these kids helping the preacher, I need mom and dad helping the preacher. Amen. wonder if we could lift our hands all over the house and would you just lift your voice whatever age you are you're not too young to really lift your voice and get a hold of God God we love you love you, Jesus. Amen. Oh, I do feel a very, a very um, specific flow of the Holy Ghost here tonight. And I feel real comfortable. I feel right at home. You know, I believe you get out of a service what you put into a service. <clears throat> you know, there are some services I've been in last 15 years and I can look back at that God moment and I can remember that moment being a J-Bot moment for me that moment with God where you just you got up and you walked different I believe that there are uh, there are some Jacobs in this room that in this service God wants you to have a J-Bot moment you wrestle with him and you leave this place marked and your destiny altered. Amen. <clears throat> Genesis 32 and verse number 24. Genesis 32 and verse number 32 and verse number 24 and Jacob was left alone everybody say alone and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day and when he saw that he prevailed not against him he touched the hollow of his thigh 
And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaketh. He said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. He said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. He said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men and has prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, tell me, I pray thee thy name. And he said, wherefore is it? Thou dost ask after my name. And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. For I have seen God face to face. And my life is preserved. I want to look at verse number 24. And this is where I'm going to draw my title from. Verse 24 said, And Jacob was left. Jacob was left alone. I want to talk to us here tonight on this subject. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. <clears throat> One more time. Would you just lay your Bibles down? And if you would, if it's appropriate, reach over and just make a point of contact with somebody that you're standing next to. Here's how I want you to pray. I want you to pray like your life depends on it. I want you to pray like you didn't come here just to hear a good sermon and have a 10-minute altar call and then leave and go home the same way you came. But I want you to pray like you came for a God encounter to change your life. Can you do that? Without me coaching you in this microphone, without any sensationalism and hype, would you just lift your voice all over the house and would you call on the name of the Lord, everybody. I know that this would usually be the moment where I tell you to be seated or to clap your hands or something of that nature, uh, but we're going we're gonna to do that one more time because I really feel that there's a certain place we need to get in this atmosphere before the word goes forth. I know that it's uh, a little after 8 o'clock, um, but we're not worried about the time here tonight. We're here for a move of the Holy Ghost. So one more time, would you just, I want you to just lift your hands and let's pray all over the house. I want you to pray until something shifts and begins to break in this atmosphere. If you have the Holy Ghost, I'm asking you to pray in the Holy Ghost. Come on. Come on, would you lift your voice all over the house?
Now would you put your hands together all over the house. God bless you. Thank you so much for standing. You can be seated. Someone very close to me in my life, elder in my life, mentor, he uses a statement quite often. I've heard it once, I've heard it a thousand times. He says that salvation is free, but closeness will cost you. I believe that this generation understands that Jesus has paid the price for your salvation. Your salvation is free, but if you want to be close to him, There's a price tag for that. And I have learned through the years that that is a very expensive price tag. A lot of people say they want to be used by God. Not everybody is truly willing to pay the price necessary to be used by God. I was in a revival several years ago. And... There was a friend of mine who knew that I was in the area preaching, and he came to be in the service with us, and when I finished preaching, got done praying with people in the altar, I went and sat next to him on the platform, and he leaned over to me, and he said, Brother Herring, the Lord gave me a vision for you, and he said, in this vision, He said, I saw you standing at the beginning of a path. And the beginning of that path was a very wide path. It was a very broad path. And there were many people standing around you at the beginning of that path. He said, but as you began to walk down that path, that path got more narrow. And the path wasn't as broad, it wasn't as wide the further down the path you got. And he said, as you got down that path and it got very narrow, he said, the people that were with you at the beginning were not with you at the end. And he followed up with this. He said, the reason is, is because there are people in your life now that are not willing to walk the path that God is calling you to walk so that he can use you the way that he desires to use you. And I have learned over the last seven years traveling across our movement full-time that 
the statement has been very true in my life. The people that were my friends and people that were close to me years ago, all of a sudden, they're nowhere to be found in my life. It's because salvation is free, but closeness, closeness is going to cost you. There's a price that you have to pay for proximity to Him. And I have often said that the greatest gift that God has ever given me is loneliness. Now, I understand that when I use the word loneliness in this generation, it carries a very sinister sound. And it carries a very negative connotation because this generation is so connected, we are disconnected. This generation is so connected on different forms of social media platforms that they are disconnected to what's going on in the spirit realm. But I want this generation to understand that in this end time hour, God is looking for young men and young women to raise up that have an awareness of what the eye cannot see and what the nose cannot smell, and what the ear cannot hear, and what the mouth cannot taste, and what the hands cannot feel. But we are so connected, we are disconnected. I am seeing a generation that uh, when services like this come to an end and they go to the restaurant, they go to the afterburner, instead of looking at one another face-to-face and having real interaction with other human beings. They're sitting in the company of other people, and they're scrolling through their phones trying to connect with another world. And because of that, because of social media, we have cheapened the definition of the word friend. This generation thinks that a friend is somebody that likes a post that you only see once every two years at North American Youth Congress. And because of that, we have a very skewed perception of what friend actually means. And so if we consider those people we barely know on social media our friend, I wonder what God feels when we call someone like that our friend. Because God's definition of friend is in Exodus 33 and 11. When the Bible said the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man does a friend. If we can't even sit across the table and talk with one another, I wonder how difficult it is for us to cut off the distractions and get into a prayer closet and see God face to face. And so... Loneliness is one of the greatest gifts that God has given me. I was in study some time ago, and I began to look at the story of David and Goliath. And I'm, I'm going somewhere. Just stay with me. <clears throat> I began to look at the story of David and Goliath. And I noticed where it said that Goliath presented himself morning and evening. For 40 days and 40 nights. 
And I began to wonder, why did Goliath present himself morning and evening for 40 days and 40 nights? That's a very specific time of day, morning and evening. And I found out in study that Jewish rabbis believe that the reason Goliath presented himself morning and evening was so that he could distract the Israelites from quoting the Shema. Because every day they would wake up and they would say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And every evening before bed they would say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. The voice of that giant knew that if he could distract them from devotion to God, he could weaken an army. And the Lord spoke to me and said, you think that a giant is some generational curse or besetting sin that you struggle with in private. But a giant is anything that is big enough to distract you from devotion to your God. You know that six-inch phone screen in your pocket? It might not seem very big to the natural eye. But if it keeps you out of your prayer closet, it is a giant in your life. You know that app on your cell phone that's no bigger than a few megapixels? It might not seem very big to the natural eye, but if it keeps you out of your Bible, it is a giant in your life that needs to die. So loneliness is not a curse. Loneliness is a blessing. In Mark chapter 4, There's a very interesting story that takes place about Jesus. It says that Jesus was standing on a ship ministering to a great multitude. When you study those words, great multitude, it literally translates to mean the greatest crowd. What the writer was trying to get us to understand is that At that point in Jesus' ministry, that was the biggest crowd that Jesus had ever stood before. And in that same chapter, the Bible said that he departed away from the crowd. And he withdrew into a mountain. But here's what the Bible said. It said, and when he was alone, the twelve that were with him began to ask the meaning of the parables that he spoke. That seems like a contradiction. How can it say that Jesus was alone, yet the 12 were still with him? It is because there is a difference in being alone with Jesus and Jesus being alone with you. Those disciples had reached a closeness to their Savior. They had reached a closeness to their Messiah that even when he was with them, he was so intimate and so close to them that even when he was with them, he felt comfortable enough that he could still be considered alone. 
And as they asked the meaning of these parables, he said, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Can I tell you that there are some revelations you will never get until you learn to get alone with God. So loneliness is not loneliness is not a curse it is a blessing and it is it is something that this generation does not be need to view as though you are lonely because God is punishing you or because there is judgment on your life or because something is wrong with you or because you're socially awkward or nobody likes you could it be that God has something so great for your life that he has got to separate you from the multitude so that he can form everything in you that has got to be formed in you for you to do what he has called you to do in the kingdom of God because I've often been asked, what is the difference between loneliness and isolation? And the difference between loneliness and isolation is that isolation is caused by sin, but loneliness is caused by the Spirit. The Bible said that whenever Adam and Eve fell in the garden, they committed the first sin, that they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the cool of the day, and they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. Because of their failure, because of their sin, they isolated themselves from the presence of God. And there are some of you in this room here today, you are in this building reluctantly because you are familiar with your failures. You are familiar with your struggles. You are familiar with your mistakes. But you're going to come out of hiding in this room here today. And God is going to set you free of every bit of guilt and shame and condemnation in your life. And so isolation is caused by sin, but loneliness is caused by the Spirit. Because the Bible said that the Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness. And he was tempted 40 days and 40 nights. And he went in full of the Holy Ghost. But he came out walking in the power of the Spirit. And I have noticed in this generation that it just as we like to try and get around seasons of loneliness, we are hesitant to embrace the wilderness seasons that accompany seasons of of loneliness, but can I tell this generation the purpose for a wilderness in your life is to prepare a man for a mission, and if you bypass the wilderness, the mission will not be as great because the man will not be as great, but if you can just yield to the season of wilderness and loneliness in your life, there are things that God will get out of you that do not fit into your destiny, and there are things that God will deposit into you that you're going to need later down the road. Does anybody in this house have a made up mind that however long this season has got to last, I'm going to endure what God has called me to endure. So I, I was reading some time ago and I came across an article 
And I really wish that this was not true, Brother Gentry Jordan. I really wish that this was not true, but it is an indictment to this generation. It was an article that began to talk about a real diagnosis that doctors have begun to give this generation. And it is a diagnosis called phantom vibration syndrome. And doctors said that the symptoms begin to come anywhere from a month to a year after an individual begins to carry a cell phone. And doctors say the reason that this is a problem is because when an individual begins to carry a cell phone, they can become so anxious and desperate for a notification that their cerebral cortex will begin to misfire and it will mistranslate certain sensations that the body feels, such as a gust of wind breezing across the neck or as your clothes brushing against your skin in a certain way. I wonder what would happen if this generation got that desperate to, to hear a word from God. We would be the greatest generation that has ever stepped foot on the planet. We would be a generation that turns the world upside down. I want to know, is there anybody in this room that is more desperate to hear God's voice than a like or a notification on Instagram or Facebook? Come on, somebody. Are you desperate for the voice of God? And so what God does whenever, whenever he wants to have, whenever he places destiny on the life of an individual is he reaches into the crowd. And no matter how many people that individual tries to connect with, he reaches into the crowd and he pulls them away from the multitude and he separates them for a season so that they can learn the voice of God. And if there is anybody in Scripture that knew what it was like uh, to be in a season of loneliness. It was the man by the name of Moses that saw God face to face. Uh, the Bible said that when Moses was born, uh, he was hidden three months of his mother's womb. Uh, and then he was alone for 40 years uh, in the land of Midian. Uh, and the Bible said that when Moses died, uh, God hid his body so well that even the devil could not find his body. Can I tell you that when God wants you to himself, all of your efforts to connect with the outside world are in vain. The best thing you can do is say, Jesus, I might not have any friends at school. I might not have any friends in the youth group. But if you'll be my friend, I'll fall in love with your presence. I can tell I've lost some of you already because uh, this is not a very popular subject, but God's going to help some of you in this room before we get done here tonight. Ah, but perhaps the most important season that Moses was hidden and he was separated from the crowd was that 40 years that he spent in the land of Midian. The Bible said that Moses was walking through the land of Midian and he saw a bush that was burning and it was not consumed. And for the very first time in his life, he heard the voice of the Hebrews' God speak to him. But can I tell you, Moses, 
Moses was not just hidden to find God. Moses was hidden to find Moses because when he stumbled across that burning bush, before he ever got a revelation of who God was and before he ever got a revelation of who he was, Moses got a revelation of who he was not. We preach a lot about knowing who you are, but you better hear me in this house. Before you know who you are, you better know who you're not. Moses said, I don't know who God is, and I don't know who I am, but I know who I'm not. I am not an Egyptian. And if you're in this house, you might not know what God has called you to do. You might not know the future that God has for your life. You might not know the ministry that God is calling you to, but you better get it in your spirit tonight. You are not an Egyptian. Come on, somebody ought to shout in this house right now. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. We don't walk like the world. We don't dress like the world. We don't talk like the world. And the reason you don't know who you're not is because you're you're not separated from the crowd. But if you can get alone with God, there's a revelation coming into your life. Somebody lift your voice all over this house. Come on, let's lift our hands and let's pray right now. Come on. Can I tell you here tonight that when Moses got a revelation of who he was rejected by, he also got a revelation of who he was accepted by. The Bible said that Pharaoh sought to slay Moses. And when Moses realized he's rejected by the world, he also realized he's accepted by God. Let me preach to somebody and say, you might not feel like you fit in at your job, or you fit in at your house, or you fit in at your school. You might not fit in with the rest of the world, but let me tell you where you do belong. You belong in the house of God on a Friday night. You belong in the prayer closet. You belong in the altar. You belong in the church. You belong in the Sunday school class. You belong in the pulpit. Come on, somebody. Aren't you thankful today that when the world rejects you, there's a God that says, I'll be your best friend. And so God said, all right, Moses, here's what I'm going to do. All of this time later, Moses, now that you're the leader of the nation of Israel, here's what I'm going to do, Moses. There is a place by me, he said, in Exodus 33. He said, there is a place by me. Can I tell you that a place by God is usually a place that is away from everybody else? 
A place by God is usually a place uh, that is separated from the rest of the crowd. And he said, I'm going to cover you with my hand, and I'm going to hide you in the cleft of the rock. And he said, my glory is going to pass by you, and I'm going to show you my hinder parts. Whenever I get you alone, Moses, you're going to experience things that nobody else in your generation has ever experienced. Can I tell you, there are moves of God that are so great, he will not give them to you in the crowd. You've got to be willing to get alone with him. You want to know what happens in loneliness? The mouths of lions are shut whenever you're alone. You get spit out of the well of the belly whenever you're alone. You learn how to kill giants whenever you're alone. Come on, fire falls from heaven whenever you're alone. God changes names whenever you're alone. You get caught up into the heavens and see seven candlesticks. And in the midst of those candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, you don't get that in the crowd. You get that in the prayer closet. You get it. Come on. You get that in the presence of God. There ought to be somebody in this house that says more than I want a pulpit. I want a prayer closet. More than, come on, more than I want to be known. I want to know him. Let's lift our hands all over this house and let's pray. And there are kids in this room right now, you feel like you're overlooked. You feel like you're forgotten, but Brother Jordan, he said, Moses, there is a place by me, and I'm going to cover you with my hand. You feel like the hand of God is all for your life because you're in a wilderness and in a time of loneliness. But can I rebuttal that lie of the enemy and say that if there's ever been a time in your life where God's hand was on you, it was right now in this season of loneliness. You say, nobody knows my name. Nobody knows where I am. Nobody knows where I'm from. God does. You're not forgotten. He knows exactly where you're at. Come on, somebody's finally starting to get it in this house. You've tried to make friends, but your efforts have been in vain. You've got a friend greater than man. You've got a friend greater than a lady. You've got a God that knows you by name. said there is a place by me you know what that word place means it means a location or a position loneliness brother Dylan loneliness 
is not a limitation, it's a location. Loneliness is not a condition, it's a position. You need to stop feeling sorry for yourself because you get socially awkward when you try to meet new people. You need to stop feeling sorry for yourself when you're not invited. Every time the crowd hangs out, you hear it from me 15 years later. I know what it's like to be in your in your predicament, in your shoes, but 15 years later, I thank God every time I went back to my room all by myself, every time I didn't have plans on a Friday or Saturday night because I knew I'm about to spend time with my best friend whose name is Jesus. Uh, I know what it's like to try and get rid of that loneliness. You start reaching, and that void never leaves. I'm going to tell you, you can be in a room full of hundreds and thousands of other people. But when a season of loneliness is ordained by God, you'll still feel like the only one in the building. And it gave me an awareness of the spirit world. It gave me a sensitivity to another world that I wouldn't have had had I constantly been among the crowd. And even, even all of these years later, traveling across our country preaching, I'd still go through seasons of life where I would try and get rid of that feeling of loneliness. Uh, but God would never let me get rid of it. And I went and preached a revival for a man. And standing on the platform, he leaned over to me and he said, Brother Herring, I just had a vision. He said, I saw you driving down the road. He said, it was a dark road. And there was a man sitting in the passenger seat. And he said, I saw you. Boy, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. He said, I saw you reach over to that passenger door. And you opened the door and you tried to shove that man out of the vehicle while you were driving down the road. He said, but that man turned and looked at you and written across his forehead was the word loneliness. He said, Brother Herring, the Lord told me to tell you that for the rest of your life, you're going to deal with loneliness because prophetic people are lonely people. Maybe the reason God won't let you feel that void of loneliness is because there's a prophetic touch that is on your life. Well, I just felt the witness of the Holy Ghost right there. There are prophets that are in this room, and if you don't embrace this loneliness, that gifting on your life, it's going to be stunning, and you'll never be what God has called you to be. That's why we're in this room right now. I didn't have plans on saying any of this, but I'm going to just obey the Holy Ghost. That's why right now in this room, there's a numbness that some of you are struggling with. There's a numbness that some of you are struggling with, and it's not just the kids. It's adults in this room. There is a numbness. You are desensitized to the moving of the Holy Ghost. 
and I'll tell you exactly what the issue is. After COVID, I was standing on the platform one of the first times that this particular church had gathered back together. After quarantine, I was standing on the platform and I was looking out across the crowd and it's like everybody in the building was numb to what God was doing in that room. And I said, God, what's going on? And he spoke to me and he said, they are sick of the palsy. When you study palsy in scripture, it means a relaxing of the nerves on one side of the body. And the Bible said that there was a man who was carried by four other people into the house where Jesus was because he was sick of the palsy. Apparently, the side of his body that could get him into the presence of Jesus for himself, it was numb, it was desensitized. And the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said that in the church, one side of them is desensitized to the movement of the Spirit, while the other side of them is enhanced to the things of the world. Because during quarantine, instead of embracing loneliness, we binge-watched a bunch of garbage on Netflix and Amazon and Hulu, and we scrolled through social media all kind of hours of the day and into the night, and it desensitized us. And now we've got to depend on four other people to get us into the presence of God. We got to depend on the music. We got to depend on the preacher. We got to depend on the singers. We got to depend on the person that we're sitting to. But I've come to preach to somebody. God is still extending that invitation of loneliness. But you've got to go home and you've got to silence every voice that's trying to get you out of the presence of God. feel it? There it is, that glass ceiling right there. We're bumping up against it. So here's what we're going to do. I want you to lift your hands and we're going to pray in this house until something breaks right now. Come on, there's young prophets in this room right now. There's young prophetesses in this room. God wants to give you dreams and visions. God wants to wake you up in the middle of the night. But you got to silence every other voice. I can remember, I can remember when I got launched into this and loneliness became real to me. Fifteen years old, product of a broken home. Grew up playing every kind of sport. Fifteen years old, God gets a hold of me. Show up to high school the next year, tell my high school basketball coach I quit. And the reason that I quit is because I wanted to burn the plow and kill the ox. I didn't want to live in two worlds. And 
had I not given up high school sports, I would not be where I am right now. And there's some of you, you're being pulled on by the gods of this world known as sports. Boy, I feel my health right now. And you're going to have to make a decision here in this altar call. I'm not here to make you shout. I'm here to help you have a J-Bock moment. You're wrestling. You're being pulled on by the things of this world. But the Bible said, and Jacob was left alone. He katala bohoshata yala bahakatala bohoshata. He andalala bohoshata yala baha. You want to know why Jacob was left alone? Because had there been anybody else around him, they would have interfered with a God moment that changed his life. I told my coach I quit. I didn't want to miss Sunday nights for practice. I didn't want to miss midweeks for practice. I didn't want to miss Friday night youth rallies for ball games. I didn't want to miss choir practice on Tuesday and Thursday. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this thing will get a hold of you, and it will try and pull you away from everything that the kingdom has to offer. But I burned the plow, and I killed the ox. And my high school coach cursed me out in front of all of my peers made fun of me and what we believed in Pentecost. And I remember one day I went to lunch and I had my food and I sat down at the lunch table with those guys that I thought were my friends. And all in one moment, when my lunch tray hit the table in unison, they all got up and walked off and left me there alone. Never said a word. And from that day forward, I walked the halls of my high school alone. But when that happened, I went home. And I walked to my bedroom. And I shut the door behind me. And I buried my face in the pillow. And I just began to cry. And tears just began to roll down my face. And I begged God to just be my friend. For the first time in my life, I felt the presence of God fill my bedroom because my friend came to pay me a visit. And that was the day that Jesus became my best friend. And I realized. As long as I've got Jesus, I've got everything I need. You don't have to be the high school star quarterback. You don't have to be the homecoming king or queen. You don't have to be the big man on campus. You don't have to be the head cheerleader that all the guys want to date. You don't have to be the one that everybody invites to the party. You don't even have to be the one that everybody wants to hang out with after the Friday night youth rally. There's somebody else that wants to be your friend. You feel the weight of that just resting in this room? Just lift those hands in the name of the Father.
I want you to push and I want you to press in right now like you haven't done this entire service. You've pressed in, but I want you to press in like you haven't pressed in yet. I wish there'd be a Jacob right now that wouldn't wait for a formal altar call. But you'd push your neighbor out of your way and you'd run to this altar and you'd say, Jesus, uh, I'm lonely right now and I need you to be my friend. I'm lonely right now and I need you to be my friend. Come on, would you make your way out of your seat, young man? There needs to be some moms and dads that rally around these kids right now. Come on. When you come, I want you to lift your voice all over the house. It's all right to be rejected because when you're rejected by them, you're accepted by him. I'm going to point something out right here as an example. I'm going to point something out right here as an example. The Holy Ghost is in this room, but the majority of us have come to this altar and we're waiting on something. You know what we're waiting on? We're waiting on something to appease our emotions. We're waiting on something to carry us into the presence of God because we're desensitized. One side of you is numb. The other side of you is enhanced to the things of the world. They're going to play and they're going to sing. But before we do that, God's looking for a Jacob in this house that'll lift your voice and press into this altar call right now. Until tears that haven't flowed in a long time begin to flow again. Some of you God is dealing with about giving up things. If you got to go tell your coach you're not playing anymore, you show up to school and you let him know. Come on, if you got to lay down a plan, if you got to lay down a relationship, if you got to lay down social media, come on, God's going to deal with some of you in this room about social media. How bad do you want the voice of God in your life? Come on, every voice raised in this house. Let's lift our voices. Let's raise the volume in this house. Come on. Nobody just looking around. We need everybody engaged in this right now. Come on, there's a Jacob in this house. God's going to change your name.
on, I'm going to push until we get engaged like we're supposed to be. I'm not trying to be unkind, but there's a wall here we got to break past. Come on, would you lift your voice? You ought to forget about who's around you and lift your voice. Like we're apostolic. Come on. When they had prayed, the place was shaken. Come on, lift your voice. Come on, come on. That's it, go. Come on, you can give that up. You can separate yourself from the crowd. Some of you need to fall on your face in the presence of God. You need to get on your knees and find a place to pray and say, God, I need you to be my friend. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. It's heavy in this room, but some of you are still holding back. I'm, I'm watching some of you. I'm, I'm not being unkind. I'm trying to help us. It's a wrestling match. It's a wrestling match. But we're worried about what the person on our left and on our right is doing. And we're mumbling under our breath. We're worried about what people are going to think. A wrestling, a wrestling match isn't pretty. In this moment, God is showing you some things that you have to say, leave me alone to. And in order for this altar call to be successful in your own life, you're going to have to drown out the noise around you. And you're going to have to lift your voice and be open and honest with God and say, God, I do not want to leave this place the same way that I came. We're going to do this one more time, but I am asking this generation to lift your voice and dig into the presence of God like we're apostolic. Can we do that? Let's lift our hands and lift our voices. That's it. Let it out. Let it out all over the house. Come on. You need to say, God, whatever you want me to give up, Whatever you want me to lay down, God, I just want you to be my friend. Come on, that's it. That's it. God's changing your name in this house. Come on, that's it. That's it. That's it. Leave me alone. Leave me alone.
on, don't let that die. As they get ready to sing, don't let that die. God's changing your name in this service right now. You gotta go home and you gotta learn how to get along with the presence of God.